What's up, everybody? I'm back with another edition of the Macro Insights Podcast, where I am joined by the Alex Stranger. So if you haven't caught him yet or you aren't in the Austin area, Alex is a pedicab driver who hosts convos on the pedicab, but he's also made his name for himself for uh, going to city council meetings and going at the woke policies and just going at the ridiculousness of the woke policies. So he's overall just a hilarious guy, but has a great insight on personal sovereignty and Bitcoin. And he's been doing a lot of work on the Restrict Act. So the Restrict Act is also known as the TikTok bill and other things like that. So he's really pushing to try to bring awareness to that as well. So we get into all that and much, much more. So be sure to check out Alex and everything he's got going on in his link tree in the description or show notes or wherever you're listening to this. And as always, ladies and gentlemen, if you could, please, if you enjoy the show, hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts. Go to my YouTube, hit that subscribe button. Help grow the show so I can bring on more great guests like Alex. And lastly, please remember that this is not financial advice. Everything you hear from Alex and myself is not financial advice and should never be taken as financial advice. Now, let's get into the episode. Whoosh. Bing bong. I am live with another edition of the State of Bitcoin podcast. And I'd like to thank everybody listening on podcasting 2.0 apps, such as Fountain. We got no boosts from the last episode with Cedric Youngleman, but I did get a lot of sad streams, so I really do appreciate that. Uh, let me see who who all uh, who all streams this. So Aquila A Q U L L A streams some stats while listening. So that is greatly appreciated. And if you guys leave me a boost on Fountain, I'll be sure to read it out and give you a shout out as well. Um, and then shout out to my sponsors. Do you want to go to the biggest Bitcoin conference in the country that is held in Miami? It's later this month. I'm recording this on the third, so it's less than two weeks away. Hurry up and grab your tickets. Uh, use promo code Green Candle and you could save 10% on those entire tickets. Use the rest of that to stack some sats. And you can go to coddle.co, that's C-O-D-L.co, to get the best punch plates in the game. I actually got some sitting on my desk right over here. You can pull your Bitcoin off an exchange, use a punch plate, and uh, store that seed phrase. They've been battle tested to do the thick and thin. You could use that promo code Green Candle to save 10% on these as well. So there you go. I'm helping you get 10% off of two great things. Uh, so go to Bitcoin Miami and then, uh, you know, store uh, your Bitcoin off an exchange and store those seed phrases with the punch play from coddle.co. But I got the man, the myth, the legend, Alex Stranger here uh, with me. He's rocking the crowd hell skirt. Uh, not, not sponsored, I guess, but uh, maybe they could toss it later. But what's up, Stranger? How you doing, man? I'm good. How are you? Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm good, man. I'm good. All right. So for those who don't know you, maybe aren't in the Austin area and haven't heard about you, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, so I, I uh, work in Austin, Texas. I drive a uh, pedicab in Austin. I host a podcast, Convos in the Pedicab. I like to uh, speak at city council meetings from time to time. And lately, uh, I've been using my voice to raise awareness about the Restrict Act, which is basically Patriot Act 2.0. It is uh, literal digital fascism. It's something that needs to be um, stopped immediately, but a lot of people are not very aware of what it is and the implications of it. So I'm just trying to get my part to raise awareness about how draconian this thing is. 
Yeah, and I mean, it's it's great the stuff you're doing, but normally you do a lot of like comedy stuff and things like that. So kind of how did you get started doing that? Um, you know, kind of, uh, I guess, uh, maybe maybe more so like making fun of like the woke wokeness that's going on in, in Austin and in other places of the country. Uh, so how did you get started doing that? And then uh, tell us how you found Bitcoin as well. All right, well, so uh, to answer the first question, um, the reason why I started culture jamming, well, it's because a, I'm friends with Alex Stein and I saw what he was doing and I really liked it. And I also um, had some ideas to do something similar um, as he was doing it and a little bit beforehand. Because here's the thing, Brandon, and it's that um, you can't reason with fascism. You know, you can't logically convince a bunch of power hungry psychopaths to not be power hungry psychopaths. You know, and I feel like the best thing that you can do is to just openly make fun of them so people can see how ridiculous their ideas are and how counterintuitive they are to human freedom and flourishing. And I feel as though the best way to do that is to just literally imitate these ideas because a lot of these ideas are absolutely insane. Like having a QR code with your health status to go into a restaurant. You know, the idea of not prosecuting somebody for, like, raping someone on a subway train. You know, the idea of um, five-year-old kids, you know, getting their genitals mutilated and calling it affirming care. Um, telling people that, that we should use central bank digital currencies because it'll help provide a livable wage to people. Um, censoring the internet from ideas that you disagree with. The idea of the fact that know oh um we hate the police and we don't like the military but only the police and the military should be allowed to own firearms like these ideas when you look at them at face value are insane like these ideas come like are straight from the brains of like a comic book villain so that that's kind of um why i got into that when it came to bitcoin i had a roommate my freshman year of college who um has a job on Wall Street. And, you know, I saw what was happening with the economy. Uh, I saw the stock market crash. And it was, and at the time, like a lot of companies were pretty, were, were doing really well under Trump, right? Like, especially the big companies had really healthy financial statements. And so I saw this crash happen, and it was because of a virus and a black swan event. And I figured that, um, you know, once this, clears up these stock prices are going to go right back up i didn't have any money to invest into any of these stocks because the economy was shut down so you know it felt as though the only people that were able to actually take advantage of this situation were people who had insane amounts of cash on hand or people who worked for large mega corporations or like politicians with super high net worth you know and and it felt as though these lockdowns were being promoted by people at the time who were extremely wealthy and they were doing it because it was a way for them to get exponentially richer without having to do anything um and i knew that this was happening and you know i wanted to start investing once i was able to get money and my uh first year in college told me to just buy bitcoin and i had a friend of mine who i like uh did muay thai and jiu-jitsu with who was talking about xrp in the beginning so like um some of the money i got i like to put into xrp because i thought you know, at the time, I thought like all cryptocurrencies were kind of the same. I didn't really understand. I'm like, oh, let me get the one that's the cheapest because if it blows up, I'll get a bigger return. Um, and then my friend who works on Wall Street started explaining to me that all these other coins are trash and I should just 
put the money into Bitcoin and I won't regret it. And I didn't really know, um, I didn't really understand Bitcoin very much at the time, but I trusted my roommate. And so I just figured, well, let's give it a try. Let's just put some of your unemployment into Bitcoin and just do it until you get a certain amount and, and I guess see what happens. And then all of a sudden, I went from being broke to being middle class. And I realized that I could afford a house. Um, and I started paying attention now because I had a lot of like, I had no almost no money in Bitcoin. But but it's funny with with an investment like Bitcoin, um, you can go from having 1% of your net worth into Bitcoin. And if you get it at the right time, that 1% could turn into more than half of your net worth just because of how much it appreciates. And so because of that, I just started paying attention and, and really trying to learn more and more about it. So I started to like watch videos of people who were um, talking about price movements. And then like, I used to like follow like Will Clemente with the on-chain stuff in 2021. And I was listening to like the best business show with pop. And I started following people like Dylan LeClaire. And um, I just wanted to navigate through this bull market at the time because I wanted to buy my house. And I just wanted to navigate through the bull market to just figure out when I should get rid of like some of my Bitcoin to buy my house. And then I read the Bitcoin standard and started learning more about it. And I got lucky because I got a chance to learn a ton about Bitcoin and why it's valuable while everyone was telling me that Bitcoin is the stupidest investment in the world because it went down 80%, which happens every single um, every single bear market cycle. But then you're also seeing the utility of why you need to own something. Like look at the Canadian truckers. You know, um, Even more recently, look at the Silicon Valley Bank. Um, look what happened with Sam Bankman-Fried. People thought that this is bad for Bitcoin, but in actuality, what happened with SBF and with FTX shows the importance of self-custody. And the people that actually own this asset now are going to are gonna, um, be way more likely to self-custody their Bitcoin. So when you get the halving, um, and then um, when, when you get the halving, you're going to decrease the supply. Um, once the, the more and more and more we delve into Clown World, the more of a demand there's going to be for Bitcoin. And the demand is going to exceed the supply on, on such an extreme magnitude because of all these factors that it just seems like it's a no brainer to just, you know, you could be like a chimpanzee and just slowly accumulate this thing. And I think you'll be okay. Yeah. And I mean, that's a, you know, that's well put. And it's, it's interesting too, that, that you kind of got orange filled by a guy on wall street. You know, usually you hear the, the exact opposite, right? You hear, I don't know, some like computer science guy or somebody that's into mining or somebody that's kind of like anti-establishment that really goes towards Bitcoin. So uh, you kind of had the other side where it seems like, you know, a lot of, uh, I guess, like financial Twitter and the finance people kind of reject Bitcoin. Um, so I guess no, I, actually, I actually disagree with you on this. Oh. I think that there's maybe as a percentage, you're correct. But there there are enough people who have Wall Street jobs that understand the value of Bitcoin. Um, and when you and uh, my roommate was not the only person on Wall Street who understood why you buy an asset like this. There are plenty of people who work on Wall Street that have really good jobs on Wall Street that understand. The people that are the biggest proponents of Bitcoin, when you really think about it, are people who've had experience in the financial system. Like Even someone like Marty Bent used to work on Wall Street. Yeah, that's fair. And uh, yeah, I mean, I've had uh, SB from the, the Woke Antidote on my pod too. And he's he's a big proponent of it. But he he kind of claims that, that, that otherwise. But maybe he just feels like a minority just because you know, he's still kind of working on Wall Street. And he's like one of the few, I guess, at his wherever he works at uh, that, that that understands it. But um, yeah, I mean, that that that's kind of like an interesting aspect of it. But I see you're wearing a, a Knicks hat, too. And I kind of want to get into to New York versus Austin, kind of uh, the dichotomy, right? Because obviously, like New York, everybody kind of thinks of like New York City kind of as, uh, I guess, 
a super kind of woke place, right? There was a lot of COVID lockdowns, like kind of the, the 2020, that that seemed like the strictest area, area was like the oh, northern I mean, California. Listen, listen, New York is a communist shithole, but I, I still have to rock. I, I still got to rock the sports teams, bro, you know? Yeah. Hey, I mean, I get it, dude. The Knicks are back. They won a series. We were talking about a little pre-show. Their first They're back. No, I'm, I'm amped, dude. I grew up a Knicks fan. Like, I grew up watching Patrick Ewing and John Starks and all those guys in the 90s. Um, Michael Jordan ruined my childhood, actually. Fun fact. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. I'm, it's I'm fine. It's whatever. It's cool. I'm a, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Chicago guy, so I'm sorry about that. But Wow. I mean, <laughs> but, dude, I, I, I'm excited, man. Like, there's been a lot of losing. And finally, there's actually a, a New York Knicks team that actually knows how to play basketball, that plays basketball the right way, that has really talented guys on their team that you could actually build a team around. Um, their incompetent clown of an owner doesn't seem like he's as hands-on anymore, which is a good thing considering everything. Um, so I'm just excited, bro. Like we're this is the first time we've won a playoff series um, in like 10 years. The last time we made it to the finals, I hadn't even started puberty yet. So I'm like, I'm hyped on this team. Yeah, I mean, hey, I would be too, man. I mean, uh, the the Bulls aren't anything to write home about. They got out of the uh, the play in game, I guess. Now they're they're making the playoffs even bigger because everybody needs a participation trophy these days. But uh, hey, maybe I'll, I'll I'll pull for your Knicks because of seeing the the scenes outside of Madison Square Garden is awesome. But I kind of want to get into the uh, the differences between uh, you know Austin and New York, and even like Austin and the rest of the state of Texas because. You know, I grew up in Austin um, and, uh, you know, from from like, I guess, an outsider looking in for those who don't really understand the full state, uh, you know, they, they kind of think as, uh, you know, the entire state of Texas as this big, you know, uh, red state. Right. But Austin is very, very unique in a sense where it's, you know, the exact opposite. And it is the capital of the of the state. But because it's kind of like, uh, I guess, a blue city in a red state. Um, compared to like New York, like what are, uh, I guess, some of the big differences that you've noticed, uh, especially like kind of going into, uh, you know, what, what you're what you're doing with, uh, you know, the the comedy and kind of uh, that aspect kind of going at the woke, so to speak. Um, I think that um, when you compare Austin to New York. Well, first of all, like there are no checks and balances. I think that's the big thing, right? Like the reason Austin is a really fun city is because it's a blue city in a very red state. And so um, some of like the clown world stuff that's happening in New York is managed to the point where it doesn't get out of control because you have a um, Republican governor and a Republican um, majority in the House and the Senate. And we could talk about the fact that our, our Republican uh, leadership in Texas is not is not really all that conservative. And they like kind of pretend to be a lot more um, conservative and freedom oriented than they actually are. Uh, we have like what you call a low T GOP. Uh, <laughs> That's hilarious. And, and, and this is just what it is. This is this is just what it is, right? Um, but I think that uh, the the difference between New York and Austin is that like New York is just unsustainably expensive, and they overly tax you to the point where uh, where living in Texas is almost like a joke, even though the, te- the property taxes here are, are insane. And, and you know, what we're, what we pay for it, we don't even get any benefits. Like we can't even have, cl- we have we can't even have like um, normal roads in Texas. Right. Like we, we, you know, I can't even drive my car without hitting a pothole. Like there's still places, even in Austin where the traffic lights don't even work. 
and they give you like a 10% year over year property tax increase, which is totally crazy, which is bananas. Um, you know, so like th th there's that, but I think that like, it's a lot easier to, um, earn a comfortable living in a place like Austin. Like I could never make a living driving a pedicab, uh, in New York city. Right. I don't think I could ever do that. Um, Austin is a lot more like New York may have a lot more diversity in terms of people from nat different countries and nationalities. Right. And they might like to say that they're more tolerant of people who are different, but in Austin, they are a lot more tolerant of you having a uh, different thought structure than the mainstream establishment. Yeah. You, does that make sense? Like if I were to do, if I were to play my like rap songs while I was pedicabbing in New York, they'd probably complain about me and I would have gotten fired. Yeah. Does that but, make sense? Yeah. But how would you even get fired if you're your own boss, I guess? But because, well, uh, well, you could, you, most people lease the bikes from a company. Oh, okay. And even if you own the bike, they could just refuse to let you store the bike at their facility. So there's still ways you can, right? But because you're in Austin, like it's, you don't really have to deal with that. Right. But like in, in New York city, um, somebody could theoretically like go because of how uptight and everything is in a place like New York, someone could look at my social media posts and just try to get me fired from my job because I liked something that they don't like on Facebook, you know? And in Austin, it, it's, we're not at that point yet. And I think a big reason why we're not at that point yet is because you have checks and balances, you know, with a conservative legislature. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I grew up there. Right. But I mean, I guess maybe maybe I was ignorant in a sense, but I feel like the the division has gotten worse over the past couple of years, especially like when it came to covid and, you know, with with Trump in office and all that kind of stuff. Do you kind of feel like that has been growing since you've been there? Or do you think that uh, I guess people are kind of waking up to the fact of how ridiculous some of the you know woke policies are? I think people are already kind of woken up to it, though. You know, like when I sh um, show people my videos at city council meetings, like we have a mostly politically left leaning shop. And most of the people I ride with all think this stuff is funny. Well, that's good. That's a good in a sense, right? I mean, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think the problem, though, is that like they just don't think that the alternative they just think that the alternative is oppressing them just in a different way. Right. Like well, I was doing some restrict that content yesterday. I don't know if you saw any of it and we haven't released all the videos, but I wound up talking to these two girls from Miami. And um, it was it was a, the puberty blockers for kids. You know, there was a, the trans kids rally, which th that's crazy. It's like having a vegan cat. You know what I mean? Uh <laughs> <laughs> you love that one. That that, that, that one. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> um. You know, it's like, well, if your kid is trans, you, you, it's because your mom is crazy. It is really what it what it boils down to for the most part. Uh, but anyway, it doesn't mean that you hate people who like. It doesn't mean they have a problem with like trans adults or gay people or anything like that, which I don't, right? But the idea of like um, this being a social focal point is absolutely like ludicrous and crazy, right? But anyway, the point is, we were at this rally, and I figured I was going to go talk to some of the trans protesters about the Restrict Act, because, you know, um, something like the Restrict Act actually affects oppressed minorities more than anybody else. And, you know, if one group thinks that they're being genocided and that they are the um, most oppressed minorities in the room, well, they should be the most concerned about the Restrict Act. Figures, right? Like logic goes hand in hand with each other, right? But they weren't. 
Uh, that video is on my Instagram and my YouTube and my Twitter. Um, and so after we did that, we just were like, we saw these two girls from Miami. We weren't sure what was going on. Uh, if they were, if they were protesters, if they were counter protesters, what they were doing. And they were on vacation, and we just asked them what they thought of this. And they were like, bro, this is fuck, this is crazy. But then at the same time, they were like really upset about the abortion stuff that happened in Florida and Texas. And they were actually from Miami, right? They're from Florida. And I'm like, well, so they asked me, do you, if I like Trump or Biden? And I'm just like, well, I don't like either of them. But if I had to make a, if someone put a gun to my head and I had to make a choice, like, um, there's no way you could have four more years of, of the same thing that's been happening, right? That's crazy. And, and so then I asked her, I was like, well, what about um, Trump or DeSantis? And the, the girls were like, well, I don't really like DeSantis that much. And because of the fact that he signed like a six-week abortion ban. And people think like, you know, regardless of your stance on these social issues, like that is a big deal, right? There's a lot of like young people. There's a lot of like young people, like under 25, like under 30. We talked about this when we did our episode, right? Uh, there's a lot of people who are like, you know, under 30 years old with no kids that are like kind of still haven't found anybody that are single. Um, they don't want to have, they don't want to be single moms. You know what I mean? They don't want to have baby mamas. Like nobody wants that. Right. And you live in a system where your money devalues like on a 10% basis, whatever, or whatever it is, like every single year, especially now with all the money printing, you're going to make it harder and harder for people to actually have families. And so when you start banning abortions, when you haven't even fixed the underlying structure as to why people are wanting to have these in mass in the first place, I mean, you're going to alienate voters. And when you alienate voters um, to a political party that otherwise is a lot better at promoting um, growth and freedom than the uh, Democratic Party with, with how they are right now, well, you're going to get tyranny by default. And I, I think people need to understand that and realize that. But unfortunately, people are not realizing that. And, you know, another, another uh, hopeful benefit of, of these little street interviews is that you can kind of like show that to some GO members of the Texas GOP so they can like re-strategize and not be perpetual losers. Because if, they, if they're perpetual losers, you know, and the, 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 the lizards at the World Economic Forum uh, have complete control over all your day-to-day -day functions, like everybody loses. Yeah, no, 100%. And I mean, I think that that's going to be kind of the, I mean, I don't know if you saw Biden release his uh, video for the next uh, re-election or whatever he's going to do, rerun or whatever. But basically that within like 20 seconds or something, uh, he showed basically people protesting the abortion bans and all that kind of stuff. So I think, you know, I, I'm not, a, I guess I'm not going to be able to tell the future, but I would if i'm a betting man too so i probably put some money that they're going to be running on that like uh you know we're the we're the party that doesn't want to limit you on on abortions it's all the republicans that want to do that so i mean they're going to make people i guess kind of decide on like single issues right and kind of ignore what's actually going on which is like i think the big problem with a lot of like the political structure that we have Right. Because there's the underlying issues, right, that that we've kind of, you know, talked about on your podcast and on other mediums as well, where, you know, we got the value of our currency devalue or the value of our uh, money uh, losing purchasing power by the day. We got banks collapsing, all these other things. But, you know, we have people protesting about trans kids and abortion stuff instead of like actually, you know, kind of 
waking up to what's going on and how, you know, you know, at the end, I mean, if you have enough money, you could essentially, you know, go wherever you need to, to, to figure it out. If you really needed an abortion that bad. And I know that's not, not a great, well, but, but, but that's the thing though. It's about the people who don't have money. It's about the single mom with four kids that can't afford a fifth kid. Yeah. And, 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 and at the same time, you could just be like, Hey, maybe use a condom, but that, that, that messaging does not win voters. Oh yeah. Even though it's common sense, like that, that messaging still does not win support. Yeah. And I mean, that that's going to be things as, that are going to be on the ballot here in the next uh, year or so, um, which is, I mean, I mean, kind of going to be unfortunate because we have a lot of other things that are on, uh, you know, the ballot that can drastically affect how you live your day-to-day life. Um, you know, your, your overall just happiness and, and money and everything like that too. And so that's where I kind of want to dive into the restrict act. And, uh, you know, for those who don't know what the restrict act is, you kind of went over it a little bit briefly at the beginning, tell us what it is. And, uh, yeah, I guess the, the overall kind of, uh, I, it's also known okay. as the TikTok bill, right? It is. Yeah. So, so it gives the, uh, president and the, uh, secretary of commerce and the various intelligence agencies, like this unilateral ability to ban you from going on certain websites under the guise of it being a threat from a hostile foreign country. And there's no discretion about how they can assess what this threat is or how this threat is even assessed. You know, so theoretically, like what website do you stream your podcast on? Like what, what website are are you able to like, what website are you doing your podcast on? Yeah. So this is on StreamYard, and then I upload the feed on, uh, you said something about like, you're able to get sats. How does that like, what? Oh, okay. So there's like podcasting 2.0. So I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but you should, uh, you should definitely look it up if you can. Um, but you could essentially just, however you get your RSS feed, you can just distribute that onto, um, you know, podcasting 2.0, uh, and then once you upload that, it'll be on like apps like Fountain. Um, there's like Breeze. There's some of these other like podcasting apps where people can listen and stream you sats. Um, so, they, okay. How do they do that though? Do they, do you have like a QR code or what is? Yeah. So it depends. You could either set it up where you have a node um, where you could do it all like fully decentralized, or you can use some of these podcasting 2.0 apps have like a built-in wallet. So like Fountain, for example, has like a built-in wallet um that's non-kyc um so i mean uh, of course it's attached to your podcast so people know what what like what it is what you're earning from your podcast but um theoretically non-kyc if you wanted to go anon when you uploaded it and then you can uh yeah take that from their wallet and move it wherever or if i run a node though i'd still non-kyc though right yeah i mean it's i mean it's still they still know that it's me because i'm still my podcast yeah but say I was uh, wearing, I don't know, say I didn't show my face and, uh, you know, I used a voice mutilator or did some other things. Yeah, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that stuff. Okay. But anyway, yeah. the point the point is, right, we're a little sort of getting sidetracked, but the point is that um, they could ban that. And then you no longer have an ability to, um, to, to broadcast your message to a, an audience of people that want to listen to you, right? They can pigeonhole you and force you to use the mainstream platforms. And those mainstream platforms are... Um, taking people are, are shadow banning people at will and um, unpersoning and, and de-voicing people who are going against what the establishment consensus is. And so the restrict act could um, just literally make it illegal for you to um, stream your work on an alternative media source, right? They can ban you from they, well, they can uh, make it so that governments do not have to comply with FOIA requests, which is a freedom of information act. 
they could prohibit you from transacting in currency that that the government finds hostile. So theoretically, they can just say, "Hey, we we uh, Bitcoin's a tool for terrorists, so we don't want you using that." They can um, also send you to jail for up to twenty years for using a VPN to go on these websites, right? And people who get caught with child porn get lighter sentences than that. So it's a huge problem, right? Uh, no matter where you are on the political aisle, like something like this is the antithesis of of what it means to live in the United States. When we were in history class, you know, they told us that we are a free country. We have we have um, freedoms, we have liberties that other countries don't have. We have free speech. We have the right to self expression, um, and we have the right to actively and openly criticize our government. This bill takes that away from us, and the America that we've grown up with is no longer going to exist if, if this bill or something like this passes. The good thing is that Rand Paul um, kind of got this thing tabled temporarily, but there's other stuff. There's like the Data Privacy Act. There's a whole bunch of other, there's a whole bunch of other bills that they are trying to put through Congress right now, and you know it's up to people like you and me to watch out for that and um, share this stuff with with people because these things, they literally affect everybody. And I think that when you spend too much time focused on these cultural issues, you um, divert attention from actual fascism that's taking place. And I think it's something that everybody needs to be on board with trying to fight, you know, regardless of who you voted for, regardless of what your beliefs on other social issues are. Like this is one of those things where everyone just needs to be a team player and stop this from manifesting. Yeah, and I, I think like, you know, there it's it is kind of like a hot button topic because I mean, especially with what went on in 2020, it seemed like some people were kind of pushing for that censorship. Um, you know, on both sides of things or not on both sides of things, but essentially like, you know, when anybody had a differing opinion about the jab or whatever, or had something about uh, you know, the China virus and whatever you want to call it. Um you know, that those got kind of banned or, you know, restricted on social media platforms as it as it was already, um, because these large co corporations were essentially, uh, you know, able to, in a sense, like control the narrative. And after like release of the Twitter files and everything that's gone on with like Elon kind of taking over and doing all that, uh, you know, it, it seems like people are kind of waking up to the fact that social media and other things are like the narratives kind of fabricated. So, yeah, it, it seems like to me, I mean, I, I'm obviously on the, of the camp, like not to uh, like freedom of speech and all that kind of stuff. And like these social media companies should not be able to do that. But do you think that there's going to be some people that, you know, in a sense, like are okay with this because of, you know, what I kind of just laid out that that's happened previously? Um. Yeah. And they need to be laughed out of the room. Yeah. Yeah. They need, to, they need to be laughed out of the room. Yeah. Um, and, and so, like, a lot of these hardcore, like, Antifa activists talk about, like, punching Nazis and doing stuff like that. Um, but the more you um, – and the, the the definition of what they call a Nazi keeps expanding and expanding and expanding because it's literally just about um, performing state-sanctioned violence on people that you don't – that don't agree with the narrative is what, what it's really boiling down to. And um, the reason stuff like that also doesn't work when it comes to fighting people who are like that is because when you – every action – merits an equal and opposite reaction so whenever you um do something like that to somebody all you're going to do is make them want to fight back against you harder so it's just going to strengthen that opposing movement and like people think hey the opposite of uh love is hate well it's not you know what the opposite of love is what 
indifference. Yeah. Indifference, right? Um, and if you can characterize a movement as just being an absolute clown show and make fun of it, you're going to create a segment of the population that becomes indifferent to that movement and they stop paying attention to it or they just look at it like it is a joke. And, you know, a lot of the people that are going to these rallies, these establishment funded rallies, which is what the, the trans rights rally is and all that stuff, right? Like this is, these are billionaire, big pharma funded um, protests. The people who go to these things should, um, you want to, you know, you have like, it's an unfortunate thing where you don't want to be mean to people, but in, if you can skillfully make fun of the people who are going to these things in a way that you generate a wide audience, your ultimate goal is to just dissuade people from attending these events through voluntarism so that they can use that energy protesting to protest something that actually affects all of us. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting too. like, I, it seems like, you know, I mean, at least from growing up in Austin, and just kind of being around that environment that there's always like a, uh, you know, a group of people that are going for the, you know, a, a minority group, right, that 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 they feel is oppressed, that they feel, you know, is, is getting deeply affected. But, you know, when the, when it comes to these bigger issues, it always seems to be ignored. Why do you think that that's the case? Um. Because if I was in charge of BlackRock, why would I want people, why would I want to have a large segment of the population aware of all the shenanigans I'm doing? Right? You know, if I, if I have that much um, stake in the US economy, right? And if I have that much capital and that much money and that much power and that much influence, I'm using that power to dictate public opinion so that the opinion of the public will continue to ensure that I always stay in power. And you do that by dividing people against each other on stupid social issues. You do it by um, devaluing currency. You do it by um, destroying the nutrition value of people's food. Uh, you do it by, um, by choosing what you should cover and what you don't cover. And a lot of people who go to these protests genuinely think that they're protesting for social justice, right? They really do think that. Um, and a lot of times you can go there and like, I think I, I really think that there's a problem with how right-wing influencers talk to these people and they'll just call them mutilators and baby killers and just fuel more anger, more anger. And a lot of these people who are protesting when they get called names like that, it just motivates them to protest and yell even more. Um, which basically means that you're spending that energy, um, that you're spending protesting for like, you know, the five-year-old kid to get, get his puberty blockers that's energy that you're not spending trying to figure out who was on Ghislaine Maxwell's client list, right? That's energy you're not spending on um, making sure we don't have uh, central bank digital currencies. That's energy that we're, you're not spending to make it so that something like the Restrict Act, which if you got a super hardcore right-wing fascist in office, they're going to be targeting you with that bill anyway, right? So it's energy that people are not spending going after the actual um, structure, the, the actual structures in place that are oppressing people. So I think that's kind of what is going on just to explain it on a really simplistic type of level. Yeah. And I mean, I, I put you on the spot there to kind of, you know, it is, it is kind of tough to explain, like I said, like, in, or like you said, in like kind of like a simplistic way. Um, but it is interesting because you brought up like BlackRock and when you first kind of went through it. So, 
Um, I'm going to put you on the spot again because, you know, it's, it, it kind of makes it seem or at least I guess the narrative around everything is that these big corporations don't have that much power or, um, you know, they're still ruled by the government. Do you think that that is the case? And if so, why or why not? Well, it's a revolving door. A lot of people that work for corporations like this become treasury secretaries of different administrations. They get cabinet positions. Um, they run for public office. Uh, every single president except for Donald Trump has been off gets offered six figure speaking fees to talk for twenty minutes on Wall Street. It's a it's literally just a revolving door of going from the private sector to the public sector. I mean that's a common that's a common fact. Um, but when when it came to these protests and, and what you're doing, right? Like you ultimately want to get people to divert their energy from um, what the establishment wants versus what the general population wants, you know. And look. Just to, just to backtrack, sometimes what the establishment wants and the general population wants is sometimes it is the same thing. It's not always different, but you just want to have that awareness. And, you know, if you could just like, you know, instead of calling people baby killers at, at the at the trans kids rally, right? Just call them big pharma protesters. Like we're at the big pharma protest. Like, why are you protesting? Why why do you want to give um, big pharma billions of dollars? Because the more kids that that transition, the more money you're giving to to, to big pharma. Like, uh, is that is, do you really want to spend your energy trying to give more money to big pharma? You know, imagine if you use that energy protesting, and you guys assembled so many people. Imagine if you use that energy protesting stuff like the Restrict Act. Imagine if you use that energy to um, try to stop us from heading into World War Three. Right? Imagine if you did that. You know, and I think that generally speaking, um, if we talk to these people like that, you might get people that they will get angry and it'll be a really uncomfortable situation while you're on video. But if you release that video to the public, most people who watch the video are going to say, yeah, you know, that guy's right. I can't argue. I, I really cannot argue with him because he's not being mean to them. I'm not like I'm not calling them names. I'm not even like misgendering these people. Right. Like, it's just a matter of like, just use basic common sense and like. I was the Owen Shore from InfoWars, and um, you know, one of the videos we made there was there's like an LGBT Tyrannosaurus Rex, right? And we were like, hey, why don't we go chase the dinosaur around and talk to the dinosaur about the Restrict Act? And so I'm like, I love your outfit, you know, and I had my trans vaccinated shirt on, and I was like, I'm trans too. I identify as someone who's gotten three shots and five boosters. Uh, do you know about the Restrict Act? The Restrict Act, you know, gives a president. And the Secretary of Commerce, the unilateral ability to stop you from going on certain websites for whatever reason they want. It's not, it's actual fascism. It's a huge threat to democracy. What if Trump or Ron DeSantis gets elected? Um, do you want do you want them to have that kind of power? What do you think they're going to do to you guys? Um, and, and I mean, you know, one lady accused me of harassing the dinosaur, and like some this lady, other lady, like took a picture of me and. Nobody responded or engaged with me in any capacity, but like that video does not come across as hateful in any in any way, shape, or form. And who do you think the people wa who do you think like what side do you think the people watching this video are going to take for the most part? Yeah, I mean, probably yours as long as you're not being like an ass about it, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. versus the guy that just calls them general mutilists and baby killers and stuff like that. Yeah, and I think like you know, you know, that's kind of like the the narrative though is when it comes to like bitcoin maximalism though right i mean like people like kind of say like 
you know, there, there's two sides of the coin when it comes to that as well, right? Like, all right, you got to be a Bitcoin maxi. Like, you got to go hard at these shit coiners because they're all scammers or whatever. Like, you can't play nice with some of these people. Um, but, you know, I, I do kind of agree with you when it comes to like more, you know, political issues, because it seems like, you know, I mean, it's, it's more like pulling at the emotions, so to speak, right? Where, you know, maybe some shit coiners try to do that. Some of them don't, whatever. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, like, I don't know. It's it's kind of difficult to reason with with like very emotional responses to a lot of these like you know hot button topics, so to speak. So so, so you can't. That's why when it comes to these things, you just make fun of them and you use and you like post a video. If you, if you're able to calmly make fun of a group of hostile people in a crowd, people can see the message through the video. Or you know you can't reason with crazy people, but you can um, reason your points dissecting these incidents is when you're on a podcast and people can listen to your point of view while you're on the podcast. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, uh, you know, I, I don't know. It, it's just like kind of like an interesting, you know, back and forth now. And it seems like the, the overall just like, I, I mean, yeah, just people in general are just divided as a whole. Um, you know, no matter what side of the party you're on or which party you're on, it seems like there's no kind of meeting in the middle. So there needs to be some change, whether it's like, you know, in the narrative or, you know, in, in something else or the way that we're all communicating back and forth. But, you know, that that's not what gets the clicks. That's not what, uh, you know, gets the votes, so to speak. It gets uh, you got to get people riled up in order to get them to get motivated to go to the ballot. At least that's what it seems like from my perspective. It is unfortunate, though, that um, so the video I made with Owen Shore chasing around the dinosaur has gotten like 10 times the amount of views versus the video of me um, asking the protesters at the rally with new clothes on um, how they felt about the Restrict Act. And it's getting a lot more views than me talking to a DPS officer asking if they would feel comfortable enforcing this. That is unfortunate. Yeah. That that, that, that is what is happening. Yeah. I mean, it's like at the end of the day, that's how like it, it I was kind of, you know, when you brought up the, the podcasting 2.0 app, that's our 2.0. That's essentially what, um, you know, value for value is trying to get away from is like, hey, you know, this is a valuable podcast or this is a valuable discussion. Like I find value in listening to this. It's judged by the person. So it's not basically a clickbaity kind of thing. Like I like what you're doing. I'm going to send you some sats because, you know, I enjoy what you're doing and I don't want it to be influenced by any sort of sponsor or anything like that. Um, I still think like we're obviously like a long way away before like value for value can be like just somebody's, I guess, income where they live off of that. Um, because I mean, like, you know, last episode I got like 500 sats streamed to me and that's like, you know, it's, it's nothing really in like USD terms yet. But Is that like five bucks or something? Yeah, no, not yet. I wish. Uh, it's like $2. Hope, it's like a dollar, right? No, 500 sats is like a couple cents. So, <laughs> uh, so I mean, it's like, you know, I can't, obviously I can't live off of that or anything like that, but you know, it also would allow like, you know, eventually the theory is that. Um, you know, more people will see value in like the things you're doing and avoid like, you know, necessarily like a clickbaity kind of uh, thing or, you know, uh, something that, you know, is more for entertainment uh, might get some more views or whatever. But people are just like, all right, they'll laugh at it. But, you know, the videos that you're making that can possibly make an impact and you're asking all these questions, they could be like, hey, you know, I'm going to boost this up. And that's where more people are going to see this because it's, you know, boosted a little bit. When I talked to state rep Briscoe Kane, the Texas Freedom Coalition sent a letter to the White House urging them to condemn the Restrict Act. Right. 
or, or, or they sent it to like the national GOP or did, so they did something pretty big. And so that was actually really cool. I felt really good about having helped do that. Yeah. And I mean, uh, yeah, I, I did watch some of the clips that you posted about, uh, you know, speaking to a representative about that and the CBDC. So, you know, do, do you think that, uh, you know, representatives uh, and people like in general in Austin kind of, uh, I mean, obviously it's like essentially like the Bitcoin capital of the U.S. at least. Um, yeah, except that nobody that, that lives in Austin even owns any Bitcoin. When I give rides to people, they're always wanting to do Venmo or, or something. They're always like, do you have Venmo? Do you have Apple Pay? And I'm like, well. Uh, for 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 a town that's going to be that 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 should be the Bitcoin capital, it's kind of sad that very few people are even using Bitcoin. Or like you still get a lot more of a negative reaction from customers. Like you're almost getting laughed at when you talk about Bitcoin to your to your customers that you're giving rides to. I mean, all, that's going to change eventually. But I, I've noticed that as a concern that I hope people can that I hope kind of gets fixed along the way, right? Yeah. And I think, I, I mean, I don't know. It, it's weird because it, I feel like Bitcoin has so many different on-ramps at this point. Like, I think you can buy it on Venmo and just shoot it over to you now. I think like Venmo and PayPal. I think you actually can do that now. Yeah. Yeah. So, hey, now that, that you have Venmo or like you have that, like maybe you can just say like, hey, you know, why don't you, you can buy it on Venmo. So that's a, maybe that's a step forward for you. I mean, unfortunately it's more KYC Bitcoin, but Hey, like but can, not for me though. Cause you can send it to a KYC free wallet. Yeah, that's fair. It has nothing to do with me. Like it's KYC for the person who bought the Bitcoin. It has nothing to do with me if it's KYC free. Yeah, that's true. right. I don't think, I mean, I don't think so. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If you got it on like moon or uh breeze or, you know, one of these other kind of wallets. Yeah. So I, I mean, need yeah. to get another one. Cause I've, I've sent the moon stuff to like, to two accounts that I think I've used KYC to send it to. So, but it doesn't matter. I mean, it's like, there's they're still a ways away from really being super tyrannical about that stuff. So I think it's okay for now, but I think it's one of those things where you should just get into the habit of like having some, of having being, of, of becoming totally KYC free. Yeah. And I, you know, I have a, uh, I have a good podcast with wicked smart Bitcoiner. Who's a big name on Twitter who like makes a lot of great graphics, but he uh, spoke once in one of my spaces about like UTXO management. So think about it as like, you know, your gold chunks, right. Kind of like, as you described, like if you put a little bit of KYC Bitcoin into like a non KYC stash, then everybody kind of knows how much you got there. But um, yeah, like you said, I, I think that there's a ways away from it becoming like, I guess a tyrannical kind of thing, but um, yeah, it's better to get in that practice now and then uh, not be wishing that you did it later on. Right. Yeah. It's, it's good to learn and figure it out. I mean, ultimately we're still a long way to go. I think from like super widespread Bitcoin adoption, like probably like a, at least a decade and you're still yeah. going to have these four year cycles. So, you know, Bitcoin's a way to protect your purchasing power. It's a way to like have custody of your own finances, but it's also a way to like help accumulate more fiat to get more assets. So you don't have to work as hard. Yeah. And I, and I think, and I think that having that perspective is, is okay to have. No, I agree with you a hundred percent. And I, you know, I, I think we're, we're, I agree with you that, that we're far away ways from like hyper Bitcoinization. Um, but before I let you go, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, the federal reserve and kind of, uh, you know, what we're seeing with all these banking, uh, you know, banks kind of falling apart. We had the fed today, uh, right before we got on this call, uh, raised the interest rates, uh, by another 25 basis points. 
Um, and kind of uh, Powell like alluded to that the banking industry is still strong and all that kind of stuff and kind of, you know, tried to not weigh, uh, sway the general public and say that, you know, anything oh. is, uh, you know, uh, is wrong. So uh, as somebody that's kind of like, I, I guess you're talking to, you know, probably, you know, either some tech tech people or even like, you know, the average Joe. Well, Brandon, I mean, the, the um, vaccine is safe and effective and the uh, water in East Palestine is perfectly safe to drink also. Yeah. I mean, Hey, <laughs> you don't have to, you have to convince me that, that uh, they could be lying to you straight to your face, but um, yeah. What is your opinion on what, what is going on? And uh, yeah, I mean, what, as somebody, that's I, I don't know, I'm not an expert. And like I said, this is also not financial advice. Yeah, of course not. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think um, I think a lot of the big banks are going to probably wind up getting some form of capital to kind of gobble up and swallow the smaller regional banks. I mean, even Powell alluded to, to like saying we wouldn't want that to happen, but what can we do? Which basically means like they kind of want that to happen because that, that's how you build the CBDC infrastructure is when you um, what's it called? Yeah, you when essentially you collaborate. Like yeah, when when you like conglomerate, when you when you constrict the banking sector, right, and when when you uh, consolidate the banking sector, um, it becomes a lot easier to use a CBDC as a mechanism of financial control and surveillance, because you know the World Economic Forum they talk all the time about pro public private partnerships. So, what's going to stop you know J.P. Morgan, Bank of America, uh, Deutsche Bank, and whatever other big banking cartel from um, forming a partnership with their respect each country's or each the european union's um federal reserve or central bank what's going to stop them from doing that these are public private partnerships that are openly being advocated for at these davos meetings yeah. I, you know so so i think that like that feels like it's something that could be an end game but i and i think a lot of people are going to take it a lot of people are going to go for it because people don't care. A lot of people are going to say, I want a livable wage. I can't afford gas. I can't afford food. I'm up to my eyeballs in student debt. I'm up to my eyeballs in, in mortgage debt uh, for my house. And the only way I'm going to be able to even keep any of the assets that I own, because all my assets are literally debt, are literal, are nothing more than debt obligations. Um, once these dominoes collapse and all you have is debt, because the majority of people, especially when they're really wealthy, most of their assets are just collateralized debt. Right. Like that's a scientific fact. Um, once the dominoes actually do fall, they're going to need, they're, they're going to be the people who need the universal wage the most, especially when you're like some tech bro or something like that. Are you even any job? And especially if your job starts getting automated by AI, what are you going to do? You're going to have to get paid the Fed coin. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to have to live in a pot and eat insects. You're going to yeah. be dependent upon having a certain social credit score. And then like, imagine going to like, imagine going to HEB, right. Or going to Publix, you're in Florida. Right. And, uh, you liked, you know, you, you liked, um, you liked the tweet from Marty Bent, right. Or something like that. You like, you liked a tweet from Naive Bukele. And now because you like that tweet, your, uh, card has declined and you can no longer purchase food. And guess what? The person behind the cash register is not even a human. It's an AI robot. Well, hey, we're getting to that point, right? I mean, like self-checkout, like all that kind of stuff, like the, the amount of like human interaction is getting limited. And I, you know, I think that there's a lot of factors for that, not only like, you know, the increase in technology, but you got to think like, 
everybody wants these livable wages for these low end jobs. Right. So the, the amount of people that, um, you know, are cashiers or that kind of job, like they don't want to do that because, you know, why would I go and work at that place for, I don't know, 12 bucks an hour or something like that. Um, where, when I, you know, I can essentially like sit on my butt and get unemployment for doing just about nothing, or I can drive Uber or I could do these other things. So it's um, not even about that though. The tech bro that works at Facebook, um, is going to need a livable wage because they have a job that's useless. Or like, so I was at consensus. Did you see any of the videos of me at consensus, Brandon? Yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> so what is consensus for those who don't know? Because this is a Bitcoin only show. Uh, um, it's a uh, cryptocurrency conference um, sponsored by Coindesk. And they have like partners with, uh, well, there's a, a lot. Of, they have a lot of corporate sponsorships, right? Um, and, uh, it's basically for those that wear a mask alone to drive their car. It's a shitcoin conference. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. And some of those, I mean, videos- it's a place where different entrepreneurs and different builders and, uh, different companies come to this, come to this event and try to network with other people to, um, try to showcase how their product is going to revolutionize society. And they um, use a bunch of fancy words that that they don't fully understand, and it just becomes it, it, it's just a um, this is the, the the best way I can I can phrase it. It's just it, it's like a big circle jerk for your ego, is what it is. Um, and I've never been I've never I, I've never like um, listened to so many people talk for such a long period of time without actually saying anything that anybody could intelligibly understand, you know? And it's like, we're building, we're building on this protocol and we're offering staking and, and the note and it's decentralized and, and we are decentralized finance. And uh, we also have a partnership with Google. And I'm like, wait, what? Wait, 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 back this up. You're a decentralized means of exchange but you have a partnership with google how does that work you think you think google's gonna just be okay you think a company a mega corporation like that is gonna be okay with regular individuals having complete control of their data you think you know so a lot of these companies um they need a uh they need a, a liquid fiat market right they need low interest rates they need free flowing capital because what's what, what happens is like this is my, my, my best explanation of this, right? And it's that there are going to be certain technologies and certain, um, certain protocols and certain invention, certain inventions, and maybe like using blockchain technology could be a really good way to like store, store records or, or store like a record of whether or not you own a home or, you know, maybe negotiate lower prescription drug prices or, or do something like that. There might be some use case for this. Um, it could also be used as a way to um, navigate in the metaverse. And a lot of companies might start having trips and meetings in the metaverse versus paying employees to go travel to conferences because it is really expensive. And going into the metaverse might be a way to cut costs. And, you know, people could wind up selling certain NFTs and certain things in the metaverse so they can all go to certain parties in the metaverse together as a company. Like there, there is this dystopian element to this stuff. Um, so if, if you want to bet on that and accumulate more fiat, you know, from like a two-year perspective, there might be a couple of companies where you could hit the, the dart on the head and make an insane amount of money. 
Um, but a lot of these people that were at the conference had very high time preference modes of thinking. A lot of these people were talking, like I was giving rides to some of them and people were talking about um, how they got rid of their Bitcoin because they can make a, a, a way better return at a much faster pace by trading certain other assets with like 8x leverage. You know, and, and it's just, it just sounds like instead of trying to provide an antidote to Clown World, a lot of these people, it felt like they just wanted to be the ones who ran Clown World. Um, that was a take I got. And, and, and a lot of these people also cared more about like, a lot of these people were just literal fiat clowns. Like these people, they, they just wanted to get their views on Instagram. They wanted to get their views on YouTube. They wanted to like uh, talk about their projects more than they wanted to actually listen or, or like um, solve any, you know, any basic human need problems. Like there was just a lot of that. I mean, I, I went up to somebody and was trying to get asked for funding for a coin that I made, which was to give zero calories, zero nutrition food to um, starving kids in Ukraine. Okay, it was zero calorie food, and we don't claim to offer any nutritional value. The our initial goal is to to help feed adults to to help adults that are struggling with obesity. And we also made a we also made a coin, and we're scaling it on Ethereum with a thirty five percent yield on Binance. And it's to encourage people to hold on to the coin, and the proceeds from our coin are going to be used to export these zero calorie, zero nutrition meals um, to starving kids in Ukraine affected by the war. And our plant-based burgers are made from crickets, lab grown vegetables and human fecal matter. This is sustainable nutrition. This is how, this, this is how we, and this is how, how we're going to start eating to help fight the climate crisis. So we all have a planet to live on in the future. People were like, do you have a car? Can you send us more information? This one dude asked me to go talk on his YouTube channel as the founder of this company. Yeah. People because wearing masks, Brandon, at this event. Yeah, I mean, because people just like, I don't, I don't know, dude, like, that, that's a that's the thing is like, I don't think like anybody actually understands what a blockchain is, like anything like that, that is really going on. And, you know, you're using all these buzzwords, right? And like, you're, you're, you're doing it as like, satirically, but you're you using these buzzwords gets people that I, I don't know, I excited about it. I have no idea what the hell I'm talking about when I'm when I'm pitching this fake product. Um, I barely had any idea of what these people were talking about. I doubt that these people that were talking really have a clear idea about what they're talking about. It's a lot of it is just a way to like generate hype for a project. And if you get big and if you get large amounts of seed capital from a, a large corporation, well, then that corporation is now invested in your coin. And then during the next bull market, news and narratives and social media algorithms pump up the shit coin so that you provide excellent liquidity for Google is what a lot of this kind of winds up being. Yeah, no, hundred percent. You provide like it, it is a way to provide these shitcoin conferences are a way to provide exit liquidity for big mega corporations. So I guess like if you really wanted to be a psychopath, you just invest in the companies that are, that have the strongest partnerships with the big invest in the, the coins that in, in which the developers are in, in which the, the, the company behind the coin has the strongest relationship with these big mega corporations because eventually they're going to they're they're going to dump it onto the average retail investor and make insane amounts of money so i guess if you want to buy a little bit now just to see what happens whatever but like um don't be talking up shit coins on my show well, I'm man. not i'm not talking about yeah. I'm, I'm just telling you like what's happening and yeah. i think if you're going to if you're going to if you're going to like 
you know, understand the value of Bitcoin, you, you should also understand why people buy these shit coins. Because if you don't communicate this stuff, honestly, people just label you as toxic and then nobody wants to listen to you. Yeah, that, no. that's what I think. Yeah. Um, and, and, I, and I think that the problem with this is that when you don't understand why Bitcoin is different from a lot of these other cryptocurrencies, you start um, once, you know, Google got their exit liquidity, once BlackRock has their exit liquidity, once these other uh, once Amazon has their exit liquidity, right? Once they once they got paid out and the coin loses 95 percent of its value and never hits that all time high again. Well, you just got a whole group of retail investors who are going to who are going to conflate that shit coin with Bitcoin, and they're going to be more willing to actually want to utilize a CBDC. And guess what? That CBDC could be built on the same network, uh, cough cough Ethereum, that these other shit coins are happen to be operating on. So it just feels like these these shit coin conferences, if you're not careful, they're just they're being used to um, usher in a generation of people to embrace and accept CBDCs just because they have just given up. It's a demoralization tool. And these pumping up crypto scams are just a way to demoralize. These pumping up like shitcoin scams are a way to demoralize the general population. But if you understand why this is, why some of this is happening and you don't put all your net worth into Shiba Inu because you're told to do so, or, or because you think you're going to be driving a Lambo on the moon, which is the antithesis of having a low time preference, then you're not going to fall for any of, you're not going to fall for any of that stuff. So I just think if you under, if you just explain these what these shit coins are in context, that's just the best way to embrace Bitcoin adoption in a healthy type of manner. Yeah. Hey, I love that. So why don't we end on that note? Because I Let's think that's on that. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not shilling shit coins. I'm just, just FYI. I'm not shilling. I'm not promoting any shit coins. I'm just I'm just explaining like why like. I'm just trying to end game the future, right? I'm trying to think, I'm trying to play chess while people, everyone else is playing checkers. No, I mean, it's a, it's a valid point, right? I mean, you're, you're doing that in not only like the Bitcoin space to try to, um, you know, get people off of shit coins into Bitcoin and kind of it show them the way essentially that way. And then kind of get them on the woke policies doing it the same way, right? Because the ways that we've been doing it and we've been lining it out, you know, don't seem to be working. So uh, for those that want to check out your content and see, you know, what you're doing, all your crazy videos, all that kind of stuff, where's the best place to find you? Uh, my Twitter ca- account is at the Alex Stranger, T-H-E, the Alex Stranger. Uh, my Instagram is Showtime Alex Stranger. Go on YouTube and Rumble. It is Alex Stranger. Um, I have a uh, BitChute account. Also type in Alex Stranger. That is my name. I got a Nostra. I'm still trying to figure out how to use it though. So I don't want to plug it just yet because I'm still... Yeah, I'm trying to figure out Nostra too. I have it. it out. It's difficult. Yeah. I need to go um, to PlebLab and just have these nerds like help me out. Just, like, <laughs> y'all. But that's the yeah. thing too. With something like Bitcoin, it's like so important to just like, it makes you really see the value of forming like actual like close relationships with people that you can trust because the only way you're going to navigate through Clown World because you can see this, this system is an apparatus that not only doesn't care about you, but actively wants you to fail. The only way to navigate through the system is to have people that you can um, rely on. And the only people you can rely on are your closest friends and your family and your loved ones and like just build a strong network. And something like Bitcoin helps you build that strong network. Whereas these, these shit coins and, and the shit coiners that you see at these conferences are not really interested in, in doing that. They are, it's just fiat on steroids and like, um, you know, don't, don't get a twist. They talk about decentralized finance and you having control of your data, but if any of these shitcoiners wind up um, being if these shitcoiners um, 
by some miracle wind up becoming the new policy uh, shapers at Davos. Um, opinions that differ from what they believe are going to be censored even quicker than what's happening on Twitter and on Facebook. And I think people need to understand that. Boom. There we go. Now follow Alex Stranger on uh, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, all that kind of stuff. I'll put it all in the show notes. Uh, so be sure to check it out and uh, check out his podcast, right? Uh, what is it? Convos on a Convos on the Pedicab. It is on my YouTube channel. And uh, you can also go on Spotify and just type in Convos on the Pedicab and you can uh, have access to all of that. Yeah. And I was a great guest on there too. So you were uh, phenomenal. Just- and I got, I got a, a Patreon. Oh, actually, um, I have a Patreon, but I'm about to start switching over to Locals. So just go on Locals, um, alexstranger.locals.com, and you could start subscribing to my content on Locals. There we go. Start doing that. Support the man. And uh, Stranger, right. thanks so much, dude. I can't wait to can't wait till I'm back in Austin. I'll, I'll have to cop another ride from you or something. Dude, let me know. I had a blast. All right, man. Thanks so much.